Oh, I think it's going to have a really positive impact because I'm imagining you and your partner are spending a lot of time feeling relaxed and connected and just, you know, being physically available. Welcome to the Family Travel Podcast by A Big Peachy Adventure, where we help families plan their adventures, whether it's for a week, indefinite or anywhere in between. No matter what your budget We bring you hints and tips from the experts, inspirational stories of families who are living their dreams, as well as must-see highlights from places that we and our guests visit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of the Family Travel Podcast by A Big Peachy Adventure. You're joined by Michael and Natalie, and today we have got a great interview for you which was actually recorded last week. Since then, we have travelled 2,000 kilometres through areas with no phone reception uh, from Darwin to Alice Springs, where we spent a great day or so, and then now we are in Uluru and having an amazing time. Australia is massive, we have discovered, and we're discovering more and more so every day. Uluru, also massive. Without a doubt, one of the trip highlights so far, um, I think we would all agree there. Would you reckon, Michael? Yeah, 2,000 Ks in four days, it's a lot, totally worth it. If anything, I'd actually say Uluru is underrated. I can understand why a lot of people have it on their bucket list. So yesterday we did the base walk around Uluru and the kids were troopers, um, clocking up over 10 Ks. But today we went out to the Olgas and I would say that the Olgas were equally as impressive um, and I didn't expect that. That was a bit of a surprise. All in all, it's been awesome. Big thumbs up. We've loved it. So if you've ever wondered if you're doing the right thing by taking your kids out of their stable home environment to travel, or if you've wondered whether or not it's worth it for kids that might be too young to remember your travels, well, this is the episode for you. Today we're joined by Dr. Kimberly O'Brien the Principal Child Psychologist from the Quirky Kid Clinic. We cover all of this and more, including hints and tips on preparing your kids for leaving their home environment, what you can do to help if they're not adjusting, as well as the return back to, inverted commas, normal life. So without further ado, here is our interview with Dr. Kimberly O'Brien. Welcome, Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, to the Family Travel Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, look, I have to say it's our complete pleasure. Um, one of the things that has always uh, been of interest to uh, my wife, Natalie, and I is that when we've been speaking to either other guests on this show or other people we've met traveling or other people not traveling, everyone seems to have a different uh, perspective on, you know, the the benefit of traveling as a child. So I was super interested to, you know, speak to a child psychologist and I was even more impressed when I heard that you'd recently spent three months backpacking around Asia with your family as well. So it just seemed to be that the planets were in alignment and you were the probably most qualified person I could ever find in the world to talk about traveling as a family. So can you tell us a little bit to start with about your trip in Asia? I think it was probably one of the my favorite family adventures so far. So we have a seven-year-old and an 11-year-old and it was my partner and I are both travelers. We kind of see ourselves as that. Um, so we met, my partner's from Brazil, we met in Sydney and then when we started going out, we, we did a round-the-world trip and kind of got to know each other on the road and then got engaged 
in the north of Brazil. And yeah, so we kind of have this background of travel and absolutely love it. feel like it just brings out the best in us and we feel stimulated and interested every day and fitter than ever before, you know, so that's just kind of where we are coming from. And so it felt like um, having kids might get us into a routine and that's not something we wanted to do. We, we pretty much wanted to keep doing what we love, but we also needed to make some money. So we, we started a business together 12 years ago and then we had kids. And so we did kind of fall into that routine that you do, you know, with school and all the rest of it, but feeling a little bit like we had itchy feet and we wanted an adventure. So yeah, we just planned this three month holiday. We managed to get our team up and running at the clinic. So that took us a while, you know, with a new business to find a team that's, you know, super trustworthy and systems in place so that you can walk away and leave it. So that was an achievement in itself. Then we booked this, um, yeah, three-month trip into Japan and Laos, um, Sri Lanka, uh, where else, Cambodia, and we did a little bit in Thailand and then a month in India as well. So it was kind of like, I guess, an expensive kind of trip compared to how we used to do things where we take a lot of time. This was a little bit faster-paced but we just needed to do that to kind of fit it within like school holidays. I kind of took a little bit extra time off in December. I think we left in November and then we got back just before school went back at the end of January. So yeah, we had to kind of just fit it into the schedule. And then when we did it, we absolutely loved it. And the kids just grew and, you know, it's just like a thriving family dynamic and it just felt so right, so relaxed, not stressed and um, difficult. I guess the one of the challenges was just when we had, you know, really hot weather and we're walking from, say, a hostel to the train station, sometimes our seven-year-old would be, you know, feeling a bit weighed down by his backpack, but one of us would just walk behind him and kind of lift it. We travelled really light, you know, we were in countries where we just kind of wore the same clothes and light you know t-shirt and shorts the whole time so we didn't have a whole lot of stuff and there really were no dramas the kids just had a really thick book each and they did a lot of reading we took a lot of pictures on trains and did a lot of slow public transport and 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 just did a lot of observation it was awesome that sounds amazing so and I'm guessing the kids when they've come back to normal life and in inverted commas probably had mm. a newfound appreciation for stuff again as well after traveling so light and dealing with so much change yeah, I think it was an adjustment. You know what I think we noticed most was we we just missed each other when we were back into work and school. There was just like a bit of a sad bit of grief of like, oh, what about our family time? And because you spend so much time together and then all of a sudden you're kind of just saying goodbye at the end of breakfast and then, you know, it's bedtime. And, and so, yeah, I think we missed each other, but then we got back into the routine and then, you know, there's definitely pros and cons with both lifestyles. It's great to have friends over and you know, consistent playdates with the same kids. So relationships are deepening. Yeah, but we're still looking at the next adventure. We're going to Brazil again in uh, January for three weeks, but we couldn't squeeze three months out of it this time. Ah, Fair enough. And um, (laughs) you mentioned that uh, you started the business with your husband. So is he a child psychologist as well? No, he's um, a business developer. So he's really good with systems. And so we kind of as the psychologists, there's five of us on the team, we have these jobs that we need to do and he pretty much streamlines what we do so that, you know, there's templates, um, the clients can book in themselves, change their appointments themselves. So he does a lot of the tech side of things and payments are done, you know, just 
<laughs> running, running the business yeah. side of things, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That. We, we see the kids and he, he does all the, all the rest. Lovely. Now, one of the things that led me to this interview was I, you know, got on Dr. Google and did a bit of research and uh, wanted to look in, you know, what impact travel has on children. And what really mm-hmm. blew me away was one of the top search results I found was some articles and some media outlets and it referenced this particular child psychologist and it said that travel for young children wasn't good, it was too disruptive and it almost labelled the parents as selfish. But what I also found was that some other outlets were saying that, no, it's actually a healthy thing to do. Um, it helps them better cope with change and uncertainty and really develops their personality and makes them closer to the family unit and so forth. And one of the things that really blew me away was it was actually the same author they were quoting but from different perspectives. So, oh, um, so yeah. obviously with um, you having done this uh, three-month trip and then actually planning again, um, unfortunately not as long this time, you've got your own unique perspective. So, what are your thoughts on, you know, the impact of uh, travel on children and what does the research say? Yeah, I think there the research is kind of out. There's some studies that are saying uh, kids really like consistency when it comes to travel. So, you know, some families will go to the same place every year and the kids will recognise the, you know, either it's the caravan park and the kids that go at the same time each year. So, having like a regular booking, riding the bikes around the caravan park or you know, going to the same old seaside cabin year after year. So they have that consistency. So they feel so familiar and at home when they're on their way there. They get excited because they they recognise things. So there's that kind of line of thinking that, you know, consistency is key. But I kind of prefer the other angle, which is more about stimulation and finding out new things. And I think for for me anyway, as an adult, I like to see new things. And I, I think our eight-year-old in particular just loves to um, loves to learn. And so if we went to the same place every year, I know that he would not be as satisfied as he would be, you know, finding out new things, meeting new people. So for me, I just go with the, the research that suggests um, variety, stimulation, and pushing your own personal boundaries. It's really important because it brings out the best in adults. And I think that kids then sense that mum and dad are happy and of course, that makes for a happy family. And actually, that makes complete sense. And I think what you mentioned there about going to the same caravan park and riding your bike around, and there's an element of truth in that within our family where we, our seven-year-old daughter, uh, when we've done overseas travel, so we recently uh, went to Bali for two weeks and left the caravan behind, and mm-hmm. she would be happy if we changed hotel rooms every single day, whereas mm-hmm. our four-year-old boy, he likes a, a bit of a constant. So the fact that we're inside a caravan and he wakes up inside his same bed most mornings, he has his cup of milk in the morning and before he goes to bed, so he's got an element of routine, but then when he steps outside the door, we're in a different place every week or so, so he has that stimulation. So I guess it might be, you know, very much dependent on personalities. Does that sound about right or? Yeah, I think I think ages is also relevant. You know, younger kids want more consistency. They want things to be predictable so there's no surprises. And then as they become really comfortable with that routine, then they want some variety. So, yeah, I think it's developmental as well. 
And actually, just on the age point, uh, we have a well, he's not a newborn anymore. He turns uh, one this week. Um, nice. Yeah, and we're we're pretty excited about that. He's going to experience his first birthday at Tennant Creek, which is going to be exciting. Um, but. One of the things that people quite often say is, oh, your oldest one will remember it. It's going to be awesome for her. Um, your four-year-old, he'll have some memories. Ah, oh, it's a bit wasted on the one-year-old. Does the mm. travel and the experiences that they're having now in their formative years, does it have an impact on their uh, personality and their life later on or would it just be as good just to stay at home? Oh, I think it's going to have a really positive impact because I'm imagining you and your partner are spending a lot of time Absolutely. feeling relaxed and connected and just, you know, being physically available to hold your one-year-old. And so it's like attachment parenting. There's lots of bonding. They can smell you and they can feel, you know, what mood you're in, whether you're tense or whether you're comfortable. And I think that's really different to being, you know, on a really tight schedule, going to daycare, maybe having a variety of different teachers at that age, that takes, you know, quite a lot of adjusting to new people, new environment um, and, a, and a very fast pace. So, yeah, I think that's definitely impacting in a positive way for, for someone who gets to spend more time with their biological parents throughout the day. Great. So um, they may not, you know, remember the fact that we're going to Uluru, but you know, it would shape their personality because we're there with them and forming that bond. Yeah, everyone's happy and I think those, you know, those happy hormones are then impacting on the babies, probably sleeping better and eating more and, yeah, all good. Lovely. And when we're talking about um, preparing for travel, you know, how did you help uh, prepare your children to let them know that, hey, in a you know certain amount of time, we're going to be leaving home for three months. We're going to be experiencing all of these different things, and it's going to be very different from home. You know, what would be your recommendations to help prepare children for travel or making that massive change? I think again, it, it does depend on the ages and and the friendships and the different activities that they're already participating in at home. So, for some kids, it might be, oh no, I'm going to miss out on my end of year concert or. What about circus? Everyone will be able to do a backflip and I won't be able to. What if I lose my skills? You know, things like that can feel like a loss um, to kids that are really engaged in an activity or a community at home. But I really believe that kids are so adaptable and and interested in what, um, you know, what you put in front of them. So I'd say help them to research where you're headed, pull out the maps and different, you know, child-friendly activities that you might come across along the way so that, they can start to get excited and that'll help them to, you know, move to the next thing rather than being really attached to to what they're currently doing. That's a really good point about the whole helping to prepare and plan for the trip. And we've mm -hmm. actually had those same recommendations provided to us from teachers uh, who specialise in homeschooling. They've said that if you can help plan that as a unit of inquiry, it helps contextualise their learning as well. So sounds like those benefits aren't just about the learning, but also the the psychological preparation, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking then about the, you know, social and emotional aspects of travel. So, you know, it's um, important to, to think about the people that you'll meet on the road and how you might make those really intense connections rather than someone who's a neighbour that's there all the time every day. You know, sometimes if you just meet someone for 24 hours, it can be, you know, even more exciting. And then to have that relationship via email or 
Skype or Zoom afterwards, it can bring a whole new dimension to friendships. So it's not necessarily about losing something but gaining a different type of connection. And also emotionally for kids, you know, being with your family 24-7, like there can be some emotional highs and lows as well. So in terms of preparing for that, letting them know that this will be, you know, I think it's important to have some individual space in the caravan or the tent or even like a little kit or a box that can be their individual space to calm down or to keep themselves busy so that you don't feel that you're on top of each other all the time so that uh, you're kind of preparing for that as well as you know how to manage big feelings so if if someone's feeling angry you might encourage them to you know just take some space take some time go and sit under a tree you can draw a picture do your lego whatever it is that helps them to calm down so that you have um, a strategy in place and it's it's pretty much role played ahead of time, or you can have a quick family meeting about, you know, if this happens, because there's going to be some highs and lows, we've got to prepare for that. And this is pretty much how we're going to cope with disappointment or anger so that everyone has a plan. If someone isn't adjusting, are there any, you know, broad recommendations that you could, you know, provide to parents out there if they do have children that are getting homesick and feeling like they have lost that connection with their social life back home? Well, I, I think it's good to kind of prioritise goals as a family. So maybe one family member thinks it's important to, you know, complete the trip within this many months and another one might think it's important to, you know, go back home and be there for this particular birthday party or celebration. So I think it's good to have family meetings regularly or you could just call it a weekly check-in to say, you know, how are you travelling, what's, what's happening for you this week and some good things that you've noticed like, really excited about turn taking. I think we've done really well as a family with that sharing, not so good, blah, blah, blah. So you're kind of like giving them feedback on how well they're going, but also asking for feedback from the kids. Like, how are you traveling with my, um, my goal of getting to Uluru by Christmas or whatever it happens to be, you know, someone might say like, can't we just go home for Christmas? And then you can toss that around and say, well, this is how much it would cost for us to fly back or drive back. Alternatively, we could do you know, a Zoom call with the whole family. Let's just weigh up the pros and cons and make sure everyone feels heard. Pretty much that's key so that, you know, that they do have their point of view noted somewhere and then you could prioritise Uluru first, Christmas with the family next year. At least, you know, they do have a say in the family. And, yeah, and I think just having that regular check-in will will make that possible. And you know what? That just sounds like such common sense when you put it like Mm -hmm. that it just you know that open communication and you know someone maybe having these feelings or thoughts and just hasn't been you know confident enough to get it out and having that safe space to openly talk about it I can just see so many positive benefits to that I think it's also good modeling you know for adults to talk about you know I found that frustrating when we got bogged or I couldn't believe we had to wait for so long that wasn't what I had in mind and I'm sorry, lunch was late or, or whatever, kind of just sharing how you express disappointment so that the kids learn the language and they can put their feelings into words because usually behaviour is just about expressing their feelings. So if someone's kicking something or throwing something, they're pretty much just telling you they're frustrated. So by giving them those examples of how mum and dad express frustration through words and feel better, then the kids are like, oh, yeah, I could do that too. That makes complete sense and I think um, we'll be implementing the uh, weekly family meeting and, you know, making it lighthearted, but I can see so many positives to that. So uh, looking forward to that actually. 
good. What's interesting is we aren't going to be on the road forever. And, you know, I've seen some families who, when they've returned from extended time away, you know, doing a lap around Australia for a year, going back to what was previously their normal life has been really tough for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've just done your three-month trip, which, you know, after three months, you do start to feel a bond with your things and your new environment, and that almost becomes your home. How was it going back to your house after that period of time and going back to the jobs and going back to school mm. and any hints and tips on how to adjust back into normal life? Yeah, I'm kind of having more of a, a – I can kind of remember post-travel blues when I travelled in my 20s and that was like a two-year stint and then coming back and just feeling like, gosh, this is not my culture anymore. Like I feel like I found my family and, like, you know, it can feel like you're in the wrong spot. And so then it's hard to engage. And I just recall my first job when I came back, I pretty much took the first thing that was available and I wasn't happy. I wasn't kind of like participating in team meetings. I just remember kind of feeling grumpy about having to be there at 8.30 and I just thought writing up the notes was pointless. You know, I had so many things that I was frustrated by, but I think ultimately it was about being frustrated about not travelling. And, of course, you know, you know those feelings will pass. And for me, it was just about saving money for the next trip and developing my, you know, my skills as a psychologist and making sure all the study I did was put to, you know, good use, helping kids. So it was just around changing my mindset. And of course, you know, it did take about six months, but I got back into that awesome lifestyle of having regular meetups with friends and kind of meeting other travelers that are also back in the same spot, you know, but had done some interesting things. So I still had good conversations going on. Just, it just took that commitment, I think, because when I wasn't committed to staying, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll just take off again. I was just feeling conflicted. Do I want to be here or not? And that's just a waste of energy. So I think make the commitment and understand why you're committing and then just go for it. And I guess circling back to one of the comments you made earlier about preparing to travel and getting the children involved in the planning and the researching where you're going, we're going, uh, would that help with their preparing to adjust to going back home as well to, you know, research the new circus school they're going to go to or to, you know, help plan getting the furniture back and all of that? Or would that actually, you know, lead to faster post-travel blues before they've even got home? Yeah, I think um, that could work with older kids. I found with our younger kids, so I'm thinking adolescents might be interested in looking, you know, what's happening from my age group in my area and who could I invite over and starting to build a bit of atmosphere back at your home is a good thing. For younger kids, I found that pretty much first day back at school, there were so many things happening and so many offers of a play date, so many interested people to find out, you know, can I see your photos and how was it like they in our experience anyway, the kids didn't have any post-travel blues. They were just excited to be back. And so, yeah, it was more the adults that had the, the job of, you know, just getting back into the routine and and picking up the pace. And that was harder for us than it was for the kids in, in our experience. And I guess the planning the next adventure probably doesn't make it so bad to come home either. Yeah, but I still find it tricky to um, detach myself from all my current commitments. So I think it's nice. Probably if I was to do it again, I would, you know, like what I said last time was like commit, just do it, know why you're doing it. 
So I found that instead of um, leaving some space to dream up the next adventure, I pretty much just overcommitted and got myself so deep in, you know, things that I have to do here at home, big client load and ideas for the next project that then it's hard to escape again. So I think getting that balance right is key so that you don't have to dig yourself out each time. But really it is a balance, isn't it? If you want to kind of put down roots and grow, you need to really immerse yourself in the experience. So it's hard to be half in and half out. I think that's just part of the deal. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So um, one final question. If you could have a giant billboard uh, in the middle of any major city and you could give one message to families who were about to plan uh, their extended travels, Mm -hmm. what would it be? Oh, I was just thinking, do it. Yeah, don't. Yeah, I know that sounds very Nike, but like I think you just do it because it's so freeing. Yeah, something around chase that dream. Do it now. Wonderful. Don't put it There's off. There's nothing wrong with just do it because <laughs> episode one where we actually had our seven-year-old daughter interview Natalie and I, oh, good. when she asked that question of us, that was the first thing we said as well. So <laughs> Love it. That, that was our thoughts as well. Look, thank you very much for your time today. Where can our listeners find you and what is it exactly you do there at Quirky Kid Clinic? Okay, so to find out more about the Quirky Kid Clinic, listeners can go to it's quirkykid.com.au, no S, just Quirky Kid com.au and exciting news is i'm launching a new podcast um so that should be out in the next um, four weeks so say november 2018 it's called impressive so they could search um, their podcast app for impressive it's for proactive purpose-driven parents so kind of i guess like your audience but that are doing um, things differently so some are traveling some are just winning prizes for like nature photography there's just a whole bunch of kids that have, you know, come from refugee backgrounds and are just doing some really interesting things. So I'm interviewing parents to find out how they were parented and also how that how they're parenting their kids to create these um, amazing individuals. Wonderful. And I'll link to both the Quirky Kid Clinic as well as the uh, link for the podcast in the show notes. Uh, so Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, thank you so much for your time today. It's been very insightful. Uh, I've picked up at least one major thing that I'm going to start doing differently and I hope our listeners do too. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it and happy travels and keep doing it. I just love it. I can't wait to listen to more episodes. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to a big peachy adventure of families travelling full-time. What drives us is hearing of those we've inspired to simplify their life and take the first step towards their travelling goals. So please, if you get any value from what we're doing, the biggest reward we could ask is that you share this podcast with your travelling buddies. Don't forget to click subscribe and also please leave us a review. Five stars hopefully, but if not, that's okay. Please leave a comment and let us know what we can do better. If you'd like to connect with us personally or have any questions, you can find us on Facebook at A Big Peachy Adventure. See you on the road and happy travels.